Welcome to the Launch Your Blog Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren McManus. I used to be a full-time tax accountant and CPA with a whole lot of limiting beliefs and I can'ts whenever I thought about starting my own business. Fast forward a few months and I quit my job after starting and growing my first blog to six figures in just a year. This is my space to share and yours to listen and grow about how to build and scale your own blogging business and design a life on your terms. Let's get started. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. This is super exciting because it's also our first video podcast and I have Noah here. What's up, Noah? Hey, Lauren. What's up? How you doing? I am good and I am excited. So y'all who normally listen to the podcast know that we have been updating all of our courses constantly for weeks now. And Noah is hard at work on the SEO updates. And I thought, how great would it be to have him on the podcast and to talk about some of these updates ahead of the course, just as a little kind of sneak peek. Oh, look, there's the cat. Yeah, the, my cat's probably going to join us for a lot of the podcast. This is Myra. And she seems to only want to hang out with me when I need to work. So <laughs> she can sense that your attention is elsewhere. Exactly. So anyways, let's just dive right in, Noah. Tell us about what's been going on in SEO. And yeah, you you let me know where you want to start. Yeah. I mean, look, SEO is a big question on everyone's mind right now, right? Everyone is very confused about, hey, this AI is taking over the internet. It's making all the content. Uh, everyone's using it. What does this mean for SEO now? Um, and, you know, Google just came out with its helpful content update and a lot of people got crushed by that. And people are just confused. You know, they're, they're wondering, uh, I think this is probably the biggest SEO change that I've seen since I've been in the industry. And so people are just kind of confused. They're they're really wondering what the SEO uh, landscape looks like now. So as I've been going through the course, you know, it's it's been important to like give people an idea of what this new world of SEO looks like now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And y'all, when he says people have been wondering, <laughs> myself, I am included in that. I'm bugging Noah all the time on our Slack channels. Hey, I'm writing this piece of content. What's going on? Why do I need to do this? You know, yeah, I'm constantly asking questions about all of this stuff because we use AI to create content. And yeah, I mean, let's maybe start, or do you want to start with the AI stuff, Noah? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, first of all, I think it's really important to understand that like, you know, there's a difference between something being like a trend and something being like a new technology, right? And it's very important that people realize this technology is not going anywhere. It's kind of like, you know, when the internet came came out, people were like, you know, skeptical or like, oh, this is never going to go anywhere. This is not that, you know, every company, a major company, uh, Facebook, you know, uh, Google, all of these major companies, they have their own AIs. They've been using AI systems for years. Um, some form of AI has existed for many, many years for all of these platforms. But now we're just kind of entering a new era of AI where people can interact in it and it can or interact with it. And it can become a much more kind of 
as we've seen, like a creative tool, something that can assist a creator, assist someone that is uh, creating content in some way. And so it's important first to recognize that like AI isn't a trend. This is something to adopt to a new way of doing business, a new way of existing online and being a content creator online. So I think that's the first major point, you know, is just getting people behind the idea that this isn't going away. It's time to, uh, you know, start looking into how this makes sense for you. You don't have to adopt it all at once. You'll find different use cases, but this is going to be something that everyone's using. It's not something that Google's like, no, you know, no AI, no one use it. They know that this is the future and they know, um, that that it's a big part of uh, SEO for the future and kind of what that landscape looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember when AI was first kind of creeping through, you know, all the different channels. And I was like, I don't know about this. I was definitely not one of the earliest adopters. Um, and yeah, just wondering about how it was going to affect things. And it became very clear, you know, as you said, this is not a trend. This is something that is not going to be going away. And it I mean, and I think that everyone else started to slowly realize that too. And then it was like just this wave, you know, and Google and nobody else, no other companies now can can think any other way because this is the future and this is how it is. Um, yeah. But I think one of the biggest questions is, you know, how to the extent that we use AI, does Google My penalize just went out. us? Hold on one second. Th- <laughs> My uh, light bulb just went out. That was strange. You, you can't go. even notice a difference. I feel like. Oh, really? I thought it got super dark. Uh, no. I just turned it back on. Anyways, keep going. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, I think the question really is, does Google penalize us for AI content? I mean, they must not. Right. But right. to what extent that we're using AI? Because, you know, <laughs> when I when AI even first was coming on the market and content creators started using it, it was a bit more robotic, but even now I can tell the really big difference in Jasper, the tool that we use now from three months ago when I was using it, it sounds a lot more human-like, a lot more natural, and it's giving a lot better results as well. So I know that AI is also learning very quickly, but do we need to be concerned at all about using AI to write 100% of our content or the vast majority of it? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So this is a really big question. This is kind of, and this is something that uh, I definitely am trying to address clearly in the SEO updates too, is where does AI play a role in my content creation or where should it play a role in my content creation? And really, um, I think that it's important for people to realize that why is she so interested in you? She just wants to know who is this? Um, I think it's really important important for people to recognize, Um, you know, and this isn't to say that this is how everyone does it. I'm not trying to generalize, you know, blogging, but uh, the reality is you're trying to satisfy a user intent. When someone's looking for something, there's an answer you're trying or a question you're trying to answer. And there's only so many ways to answer that question. Uh, A large majority of the top 10 answers that you see, maybe the top 50 answers that you see, are going to be answering the same question. And so a lot of content that people create is repetitive. A lot of content that cr- people create is kind of robotic in the sense that it's saying the same thing that their competitors are saying. So when people take the time to realize this AI is really only doing the thing that I already do more efficiently, 
What can I add to this to make it better? So what are the things that you can do that AI can't do to make that content really incredible? Basically, the robotic and repeatable things that, that you're doing, the idea of just um, you know, answering this question the same way everyone else does it, let AI do that part. Make your outline, let it write out the steps, but then, you know, experiment with it. Try, you know, adding your own steps in, things, your own tips that help, the things that you found that make the process easier. You know, it's really going to become very much about that personal experience and that personal input because that's what AI can't do. You know, you can't get AI to give you an incredible first person real life example that your audience is like, wow, they get me. They've done this same thing. And so that's what you want to focus on, making your content valuable because it's really personable. It's really relatable. And you've put a lot of you in there. So let the AI do the part that we you know, all do trying to answer the general question and then go in and add you to that. Add your perspective, your tips, your um you know, kind of reality of the experience to it so that it can be as helpful as possible. I think that is really how AI and a human work together to create the most valuable and helpful content. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, I think that the goal is really when you are looking for content on Google and you click on an article, you know, and you're reading this content and most of the content does seem to be a carbon copy of all the other content out there. Yep. But you're reading through and then something in this article makes you stop and you're like, wow, either, you know, that was an insightful point or this person's experience was, you know, wow, like something makes right. you kind of stop and think about, you know, the source that you're reading. And I think that that's right. what is important. That's what gets people kind of clicking over to other articles, checking out your, your brand and your website and really like starting to relate to you. Um, and of course, this is one of the, um, you know, pinnacles of what we teach in our courses is this experienced base um, writing and communicating with your audience, because it's literally the only thing that you have that can separate your content <laughs> yeah. out from anybody else's. Absolutely. It's, it's all about, you know, um, the teachings, anyone can say, you know, I, me and my mom talk about this all the time. She gets really pissed off because she'll be like, um, I used to tell you that all the time when you were a kid, but now that this person told you that you'll listen. Right. And I think a lot of parents have that experience and, you know, we have that with friends and mentors. My husband also says that, <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is sometimes we just need to hear something in a certain way for it to click. And so, you know, there are universal answers or concepts or ideas that we can all be aware of, you know, um, and that we can, you know, have our own uh, agreed upon consensus for. But really what's going to make it special is how can you provide a unique perspective that maybe makes it click for somebody that somebody else can't? That's, you know, what's kind of cool about AI. Let it start that, you know, is repeatable for everyone else. But what makes you different or unique or special or able to teach this in a way that um, someone else or the generalized concepts can't because it, it might click for someone coming from you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's pivot a little bit now um, to this EEAT and some of the other changes in the SEO landscape. And before you get into yeah. changes about EEAT, please also just explain, um, you know, to our audience what, what exactly that means. 
Yeah. So, I mean, really, it's nothing to like freak out about too much. People try and like put a really strict definition on it. It's really think about it as just your credibility online. It's really just that um, that expertise, that that credibility. It's going to be things like certifications, where you went to school, the things that make you uh, appear to be an authority on whatever you're talking about. And it's funny because people think that it needs to be um, something drastic, say like, oh, I have a doctorate in this thing. And it, that's not what EAT is about. It's about um, topical understanding. So if you were someone that you know, you describe that this is your passion and you publish a lot of content around this and you spent hours studying this and have published papers about this, things like that, self-published stuff. Um, that makes you an expert too. You don't have to be someone that is a doctorate in a field or something like that to be considered an expert. But it is very important that you do know why you are an expert, even if it's just that you're curious. You know, I think you and I, uh, we were talking about organization in the business the other day, like uh, systems. And a great example of this is uh, Thomas Frank. He is widely known as like one of the best um, resources for getting, uh, organized in, you know, in a business or in life. And it's funny because, you know, he's, he's not a neuroscientist or a psychologist or anything like that. He's just a nerd who loves organizing his life. <laughs> and so by continuing to publish content and continuing to talk about that, experimenting with it, it's something he's natural, naturally curious about and continuing to, to express that and kind of, existing in that ecosystem shows Google, hey, this person kind of has some authoritativeness on this. So really it comes down to like, each should be natural. And if you think about Google's goal, all the algorithms that it has ideally should be natural. It's just people are attempting to game them, right? So it's really important when you think about this formula of something like EAT and you say, what would the natural state of this look like, right? And the natural state of EAT would be being the communities of people that are in your niche. You know, talk about uh, those things with people that are professionals. Listen to podcasts about that thing and interact with the community around it. You know, put your own studies out there, your own experiments, get involved with it, and that will naturally build build up authoritativeness. It'll get you featured in other places. It'll get you um, put in, you know, featured on Forbes. It'll get you uh, places in life and that will build authoritativeness in your niche. So, you know, you don't have to go out and fetch a certificate or a degree. It's just explaining, hey, I know more about this than the people who don't know anything about it. And this is why kind of is a great way to think about it. So it's, Eat, not E A T. Am I showing yeah. my lack well, of knowledge over the subject? No, no, it's very commonly like people, and I don't even get too attached because everyone, like I said, it's just the concept that matters. But it's really just expertise, authoritativeness. It's really just trustworthiness. It's, you know, um, but yes, it is technically E E A T, which does yes. stand for. Look, see, girl, I'm a professional at this, paid a hell of money for this and don't even know all of them. It's expertise, uh, authoritativeness, trustworthiness is the original what, E. I don't know what the but new But we added an E and you don't know what yes. it is. 
experience of experience course. There okay. you go. yeah so like i said natural like what you're naturally um you know uh finding yourself in these situations in regard to this niche when you're talking about something a lot doing something a lot you have experience with it and google can tell that you know google's like huh this this person knows something about about blogging. This person knows something about making money or investing. And I can tell because of their uh, kind of online profile or credibility, if you will. Yeah. But like and I said, you don't need to memorize the acronym. You just need to know the concept, you know? But we look smarter if we have the acronym memorized. <laughs> if you know the acronym, people will pay you more money. <laughs> um, well, and I'm sure that this is becoming more and more important. And Google is beginning to prioritize this more and more because of the sheer volume of content on the internet and the sheer volume of content written by people who don't know anything about anything on the internet. Right. And especially now that we have this tool with AI, and I suppose it's a good thing that people are using AI because at least most of the content won't be wrong. They don't just make That's... it up, right? But well, it doesn't mean that anybody. Well. <laughs> it doesn't mean that anybody can write content about anything. And Google prioritizing this eat it's because they want to prioritize content for people who do have expertise and or experience in what they're talking about so noah what exactly can people do just you know we go into this in detail in our course but kind of higher level what people what can people do to show that they have this eat portion covered for their website or content yeah. So first of all, I think the first process is going to be recognizing, like I said, AI is a tool and you are a person using that tool. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, I see these videos on my TikTok feed all the time of like, uh, what do you call them? Like tips for how to use an iPhone. And there's stuff that I didn't even I'm like, oh, how to use my, my, my iPhone. Like I only know like 10% of the functions. And so it all, yeah, yeah, I guess that too. And just not growing up with like a lot of tech kind of like made me not really explore a lot of that. And so it's really important to understand, first of all, like what all can my tool do? How does it work? And that's why like, we're really moving into that area of, especially in like the course of trying to like educate people on AI, because it's only as good as you use it or understand it. And a big part of that is that AI is suggestive. You can suggest things to it and it will listen to you. It will follow those suggestions. And so, you know, it's very important that when you're writing content, um, you don't just let an AI tool just spit things out. You know, you, you make an outline and then you suggest your general thoughts for each paragraph, kind of what you think, your perspective, let it uh, fill out that content using your thoughts and perspectives as kind of a baseline, right? Because it'll also make that content have sort of a more uh, relevant, you know, it's like I made the joke the other day to my friend that, you know, chat GPT just sounds like a rich white banker. It's super like weird, you know, and it's, it's just because, you know, that's what a lot of the data on the internet sounds like. And so you want to include your personality in there. And you should make sure that you're letting your tool know that you want to use your personality. That's why we use Jasper, right? You know, it, it kind of matches our voice and tone a little bit, but also reflects on our perspectives when we add those. So that's 
kind of part one is, is suggest to your AI, to your perspectives and ideas on things. And then secondly, it really is as simple as like, what is the thing that you wish you always had? What's the thing that you wish you always knew? When you're reading a piece of content, there was a question that you wanted answered as soon as you clicked on that content. There's something that would have helped you get it sooner. There's something that would have made it click for you. There's something you know uh, that you're ignoring. You don't think it's valuable enough or that you can include it that will really be helpful for your audience. And if you ponder on that for a moment on every piece of content that you make and say, like, hey, where, where's my value to this? And you find a way to add that into your content outside of an AI tool. And that can be, you know, maybe you make awesome infographics. Maybe you like charts and tables and maybe you like, you know, things like that. Then, you know, go for that. Add that. Google, like you said, um, is being flooded with general AI content. And it would, it, it really is becoming important for it uh, to the algorithms to have an idea of this is personal, handcrafted, worked on content that a human interacted with, you know? Yeah. Well, and then there's also the obvious creating a really great about me page, which is no longer just this right. generic, you know, hey, this is where I went to school and this is what my blog is about, right? Yeah. It's now telling this whole story about, you know, the content that you create and you know, not writing a bunch of content that kind of isn't also reflected in your author bio and your author page, right? right? These things are also really important to show that you have this, if not expertise, then at least experience, right? So trying to make sure that right. you write lengthy, not necessarily lengthy, but thorough information about this in these places matters too, right? More than other. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely this idea that, um, it's not about what you have. It's about what you got, right? What it gave, what it gave you, right? Going to school, anybody can get a degree, right? But what did going to school actually give you? What did you get from it? What did that experience actually give you? And so, you know, uh, you went to school for accounting and it's like, you know, accounting is, uh, or, or, you know, going, Going to school is a general thing that's good and getting a degree is important, right? But getting a master's degree requires a certain level of discipline. It requires a certain level of dedication to a topic, of a deeper understanding, right? And there's a certain level of commitment that says something about you as a person and your commitment to this topic, right? So if you had an accounting blog, um, then you would have a ton of expertise in that because you know, it's not that you got a master's degree. It's what a master's degree represents. So think about those things whenever you're crafting your bios. What have the experiences I've had and the the information that I've collected in my life uh, that have made me, you know, have some type of interest in this topic? What, you know, how have they made me me? What have, what have kind of special um, expertise has that given me? Mm -hmm. Does this also relate to your LinkedIn profile, other social profiles on the internet? I'm guessing Google can kind of read these things, right? I guess it would make sure you'd want to make sure that you would have your LinkedIn profile filled out, even if you don't use LinkedIn, like things like that also matter, right? Right. It's, it's kind of like, um, for a couple of reasons, right? And it's not just Google. It's also like, 
you know, think of uh, first impressions, right? You always want to make a good first impression on the people that you meet just so they have an opportunity if if it's there to be like, hey, you know, um, this person uh, has a proper understanding of who I am and what I represent, right? That's everyone's goal with a first impression. Um, and so similarly on the internet, you can't necessarily control uh, what people's, uh, how they'll get their first impression of you. They might find a YouTube video. They might find a LinkedIn profile, a Twitter profile, et cetera. And those profiles, those will lead people to um your website, to your products, things like that. And that sort of structure, that kind of a crawling system is something that builds an overall image of who you are and like, you know, what you're interested in, your topics. So your online presence in general, uh, definitely, it, it definitely matters in the long run. It's something that, you know, I wouldn't obsess over, you know, primarily it matters more on your website, but your overall presence online absolutely matters for eat. And it, it matters just in general for your customers, your readers, you know, just uh, being properly represented on the internet. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. All right. Well, moving on from eat, we had a couple other topics on SEO. I always wonder if it's like in... <laughs> In the course that when I say eat, sometimes I'm like, eat, do I like do an extra E now? I hate it. That's e why I don't even use the acronym. It's literally like, and then your E-E-A-T, it, it's, it's just bad. It's all bad. It's true. But I think it is very helpful to have the acronym just as a reminder of those four important things because they are all very important. But right. um, yeah. okay, so what else do we need to talk about with the changing SEO landscape? So really, I think one of the main things that I would kind of like to comfort people on is there's been like a general consensus of people just like wondering if SEO matters. You know, like if I was starting a new blog, should I focus on SEO, right? Is kind of this question that's been floating on the, in the air. Or if I have a relatively new blog or uh, am just now starting to focus on SEO. And, you know, it, I still think it's a resounding yes. You know, it it's clear that creating content, even us, we since the helpful content update, we've seen improvements in traffic. And since, you know, the introduction of AI, we've seen improvements in traffic. And, you know, it's not something... What is the helpful content update? Can you just summarize so, what this was? Yeah. So this is just, you know... Um, Google, of course, has its very mysterious updates that everyone debates on what the um, overall kind of arcing changes were. And the last update, the helpful content update, uh, really kind of was a major shift in perspective of how to approach SEO. It was this idea that Google is now prioritizing content that is very helpful in in the definition for wasn't it always for, see but as we said right there's two parts of the content does it answer the question does it have the information and then is it helpful it's like we said right you can get the teachings from anyone but sometimes it needs to be from a certain perspective or a certain person for it to click right so there think of it in the sense of a helpful content update 
is focused on finding the content that's created in a way that's helpful enough that it clicks for the most people. Not the data is all there, but mm -hmm. what makes it click for the most people? What's the most helpful uh, that people actually get the answer that they're looking for? And so it's really prioritizing first person experience, prioritizing, um, you know, uh, familiarity with the topic, um, you know, kind of your own sort of perspectives and opinions on things, but connecting those to um, the general concepts that are already known so that, it, you know, you don't want to like go against the grain and, you know, be like a, a completely wrong opinion just for the sake of having an opinion, but it's just your personal experience. It's really just the idea of being helpful by expressing yourself in addition to the content that everyone's putting in their blog posts. Okay. All right. That makes yeah. sense. You can continue yeah. back on whether <laughs> SEO is relevant still. It's, I think it's funny because it's like, you know, um, I even tell people all the time, like, no, me and Lauren have very different roles. She knows a lot of things that I know nothing about. And I know a lot of things she knows nothing about. We are definitely, it's so it's funny. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's really important that people recognize that SEO does still matter. Uh, it matters because, you know, content will always matter. Putting yourself out there, having that content is a matter of sometimes just doing the thing, right? Not thinking about it, planning it out, prepping it, you know, uh, getting it just right in your head. It's actually putting the pen to paper or fingers to keyboard and doing something. So of course that's important, but then also it's important because yeah, you can still rank for things. You still can be an expert on things and you still can uh, get search traffic. And that's not going to go away relatively soon, you know, and even if it does, it doesn't mean that your content is not going to be valuable still in some way. And so it's really important that people still recognize like there is no um, substitute for creating content. And SEO content is phenomenal, uh, curated content for, you know, that can be repurposed for any number of things to be used on any platform, to be used in courses, to be used in opt-ins, you know, all of those things. So, you know, to all the people that are scared, wondering, hey, what does this mean about SEO? You know, keep going, keep doing it, keep focused, keep your head down. And just remember that creating content is something that should be rewarding and fun. You should be following, you know, your own curiosities and really exploring that idea of having personal experience with the topic. So um, that that's really what I'd say to those people. And that's kind of the main thing that I want to get across in the course. Mm -hmm. Well, we only have a few minutes left because I am too cheap to pay for the paid version of Zoom. <laughs> These one -off hey, somebody's got to be frugal around here. And I love that for us. <laughs> Um, anyway, was there anything else? I think one of the topics that we had was publishing frequency. And I know that this is something that we get asked about a lot. And even our publishing frequency has been all over the place in the past few months. So what can you tell us about importance of publishing frequency? So this is probably not going to be what people want to hear. And this is a personal opinion, just from me, from an SEO perspective. I don't, you know, right now have all, all the links to back up the data or whatever, but you know, my personal perspective is that frequency will become um, important because your competition is going to overshadow you. If someone is just as good as you 
and they're producing more content than you, they're going to overshadow you. And the reality is you are unique. You do have your own unique perspectives and et cetera. But if you aren't developing a very proprietary or a very sort of unique way of approaching something for yourself, then you're directly competing with people that are producing what you're producing at a quicker rate. So you got to go one way or the other. You have to decide that, hey, I'm going to approach this by making something so helpful and unique and specific to me, which I think is a perfect way to approach it. Um, or I'm going to create you know, something that is relatively those things but not so focused on that and create at a very quick rate. You know, it, you kind of have to pick one or the other. And most people are going to pick the, you know, the left option, which is really just the idea of I'm pretty decent at this and I'm going to produce a lot of content, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I don't know that that will work forever. I think eventually people are going to have to lean into this idea of being super helpful and creating really unique creative content. Um, but if you don't want to do that, you're going to have to step the frequency up. If you are doing that, then I still think one a week is absolutely necessary. It's just what kind of expert wouldn't talk about something they're an expert in once a week? I mean, would you trust your doctor if he didn't practice medicine once a week? I wouldn't. You know, it's you want people to be constantly involved in the thing that they're saying they're an expertise in. And so it's not always so much about Google likes it when I post five times a week. Google likes it when you're actively an expert in the thing or actively have experience in the thing that you say you're an expert in. So, you know, it's when you think of it that way, it makes more sense. It's just like if you were posting on a social media platform, you know, if you posted one great video, you know, a year, you know, that'd be great. And maybe it'd get some attention, but you know, they're, there are different ways to approach it, you know? So I still think that one a week of a good, great piece of content has to be the absolute minimum just to keep up. Um, but ideally two, three, you know, if you can get the right systems down four or five, if you're a psychopath, <laughs> um, but you There's know, that anxiety. would be people that are really writing personal blogs. You know, it's like, a, I think of like the bullet journal method guy or James Clear. He wrote on his blog every day. He published a new blog blog post because he was obsessed. He's like, I'm obsessed with habits. I'm obsessed with productivity. I'm going to post about this and create about this every day. And that's how it should be. You know, people should really love the thing that they're making and want to talk about it every day. And if you're not doing that, it's okay, but you should be looking to shift into a direction where you're finding, you chose your niche for a reason and you should find the, the way to make it meaningful and interesting that Writing five times a week sounds like fun to you. It sounds, you know, even I think about us and where we're going and I'm like, I'm kind of excited to get to the point to where we have everything really organized and, and well done that we can create a lot for our audience because it's fun. It's fun to share this stuff and people don't know this stuff. And it's nice to be able to share that with people. So ideally people should get to that point, you know? Yeah. And I think we're getting to the point too, where becoming a content creator is is you are an entrepreneur and you are working a full-time job, you know, I mean, That's, you can still make yeah. passive income very easily, but those things are often usually hopping on trends and they can be, you know, very fleeting depending on how often you can pivot yourself, you know, but this right. kind of 
content creation, whether it's on Google, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Pinterest, like, you know, Instagram, whatever your platform is, you got to be producing content all the time because this is a huge portion of your job, you know, and thanks to AI, there are ways to outsource this. And as you grow, you have to have a team to be able to do this then on scaling, scaling on multiple platforms, but um, yeah, super interesting. Well, this has been a really good episode. It was really fun to be able to do this on camera. So I think that's been fun. Yeah. I think that we can do this more often to um, also post this content on our YouTube channel to um, get a different reach. This is exciting. So yeah, anyways, I agree. this is a lot of fun. Well, Perfect. thanks so much, Noah, for yeah, being on and also, you know, being on the first video podcast as well. And I can't wait to do it next time. Me too. Thanks for having me, Lauren. And uh, yeah, thanks for having What was that? What was that? <laughs> thanks for joining me and talking to me. It was really fun to to chit chat and have an opportunity. Just like we don't get to connect like this all the time. You know, the time zone differences and people, a lot of people don't realize like you're in Germany and I'm in America and that's a big time gap. And so it's nice to have this. This is, this is fun. It's really nice to get that opportunity to like, not just slack each other all day, you know? Yeah, for sure. And just to have discussions about these things. So All right. Well, thanks for coming on and guys, I will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Launch Your Blog Biz podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And please share the love by leaving us a review if you loved this episode. And if you want to learn more about how you can launch and grow your own blogging business, make sure to check out our website at createandgo.com.